Hello, good evening, and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. This is the fans phoning, brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on today's edition, I'll be uh, taking you guys' calls, of course. There's lots and lots to discuss, lots of callers lined up for this evening's show. We'll be talking about the victory over Bayern Munich. Eddie Nketiah, of course, scoring the winner. We'll be touching on the We Care Do You campaign, which has now reached 100,000 signatures. Josh Kroenke's response. And, of course, we'll be touching on some transfer rumours. Uh, Danny Ceballos, Kieran Tierney, uh, Saliba, Pepe, Zaha has apparently told Crystal Palace that he wants out. Lots and lots to discuss. As always, if you want to get in touch, all you need to do is head over to our Twitter account, which is at Chronicles underscore AFC and DM us with your contact number. If you're here in the UK, we need a telephone number. If uh, you are talking to us from overseas, we need a Skype address and we will reach you that way. Now, just as a heads up to all of those who have put their numbers down for this evening, we're going to be banging through the list, um, but we will be calling you from a private number. So if you see a private number coming up, don't panic. It's only us. Uh, let's uh, begin by talking quickly about the uh, victory over Bayern Munich. Arsenal, 2-1 um, winners uh, out in uh, Los Angeles. It was quite an entertaining watch, actually, uh, considering the time 4 a.m. kickoff. I was one of the fortunate or unfortunate ones, depending on how you look at it, who watched it. But I've got to say it did mess up my day um, because I was absolutely knackered after and when you've got a six-month-old baby who decides that he's going to wake up at 7 a.m. Uh, after you've just finished doing your write-up, it's not ideal. Uh, but anyway, um, that is uh, neither here nor there. It was a decent performance in the end. The youngsters, of course, shining through in the end, getting us over the line. Arsenal 2-1 victors out in L.A. And we'll be talking about that game in a little bit more detail later on uh, in the show. But first, uh, we're going to talk to someone uh, who's a very special guest, someone who will be joining us uh, from the airport, actually, directly in the USA. Um, he was one of the gentlemen, uh, well, they were the gentlemen that sat down with Josh Kroenke at halftime of that game against the Colorado Rapids. They were the ones that broke the interview before Josh Kroenke released his official response. These guys sat down with him and at 4 p.m. the next day, they, of course, uh, released the article, they released the interview, uh, went into great detail about uh, what Josh had to say. Uh, so let's uh, dial up call at number one of the evening. Um, here we go. Hi, mate. It's Mike from uh, the Gooners podcast. Mike joining us from the airport. I know. How you doing, mate? <laughs> no worries at all. No worries. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to you, mate. Let us know uh, how it went with Josh Cronky. How did it all go? Hardly a member of the media, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just Andy, uh, who you know from our podcast, actually came up with the idea about two months ago to uh, on a lark to apply for media credentials for this upcoming tour because, you know, Andy likes to likes to take the piss sometimes. And uh, he's like, you know, if we get them, how, how funny of a story would that be? So long story short, we get the media credentials um, and show up to the game in Denver and there's maybe three British media around it's john cross from uh well we know where john cross is from uh james from football.london and then yeah. a uh, a guy from the sun and the five of us are basically just standing around and out comes uh the director of uh, communications for arsenal about you know 20 hours after that letter well, maybe not even 20 hours after that letter comes out from we care to you and he's acknowledging that we got to put some sort of a spin on it and maybe v and i uh, we'll come up and, and have a quick chat and try to explain KSE's positioning. Next thing, and then Josh Grumpy rolls up with the rest of his team. Uh, the five of us are whipped into a uh, little small meeting room. You know, it was reported initially, least, I guess initially, that he met with a group of fans. I think people got that impression because people knew that we were in the room and that 
was. So, so it must have just been a meeting of fans. But that wasn't uh, that wasn't the case. We were the only people that weren't media in that room. Uh, it was an impromptu interview. It was not a uh, you know an advance notice type of questionnaire. It was not a setup event. Yeah. And I think people kind of need to understand that a little bit uh, to know that this was not a, a soundbite fest. Uh, it was something where he really just felt he needed to address some of these things, which is a credit to the organization of that uh, of that campaign. So can I just ask, Mike, obviously, we we've all read sort of the transcript. We all know what exactly he said. But in terms of the way Josh Cronkey came across and the way uh, he was talking about the club, could you feel a, a passion for Arsenal Football Club coming through or did it feel like a, a you know, a PR stunt to you? Because, you know, I know it was impromptu, but these guys are, you know, corporate billionaires. They sure. know what they're doing. Did you get the impression that he genuinely cared about Arsenal Football Club having been in the room with him? And none of us can say that we've been in the room. So that's why I'm so curious to hear sort of your that's, take on that. And, and, and Harry, that's the question that needs to be asked because, you know, the, the, there's, there's a few different ways to disseminate the information that comes out of that meeting. There's the way that, that, that I'm not even going to say the name of the newspaper, but you know who I'm talking about. It's the way they did it, which was an absolute hatchet job. Uh, they're invited into that room and then they, they start an article with, with uh, wind-up artist or wind-up merchant uh, Josh Kroenke and then go and take every single thing he said out of context. There's the way we did it, which was next morning releasing a full transcript that I worked through the night to, to transcribe from audio and put it on our website so people could read word for word what he said. And then it kind of occurred to me that you know a lot of people were still taking a lot of the things he said out of context. Um, and you really do even reading every word would, you know, straight from the, from the transcript, you don't necessarily get a sense of what you were just asking about. You know, was he sincere? Was he thoughtful? Uh, and, and I just want to, you know, quickly say, I am not a defender of his. I know I come across as that possibly sometimes I'm a defender of people like having all the information they could possibly have before making their mind up and not getting driven by, you know, media spin. And that's why, and I don't even know if you know this, Harry, but we posted the audio last night um, on our YouTube page. We, uh, we put out the, the 12, just about 12 minutes of, of raw audio, unfiltered, unedited, from the beginning to the end of the question and answer, um, so that people could kind of take a look at the transcript, take a look at the sound bites and, the, and the, you know, the spin that's come out, and then reconcile that with what he said and how he said it. Fantastic. Um, and... To circle back, and you can find that on, uh, you know, on, on the Gooners podcast uh, YouTube page. And if you follow us on Twitter, we've, we've been sending out links to that, both as a 12-minute, you know, full version and then six different smaller segments. But uh, to get to your question, there was sincerity, um, you know, and, and he's an expert on knowing how to come across. So I don't believe it was 100% pure sincerity. I mean, he didn't pull a, a, a crying act, uh, but... <laughs> You know, in the in the text, I eliminate some of the mannerisms that he had. I eliminate the fact that sometimes he was struggling to really come up with his next thought, that he was kind of uh, buffering sometimes yeah. in a sense, you know, where you kind of repeat the same word over and over again as you're putting the thought together. Um, and to me, what that told me in person and looking at him was, you know, he was really trying to come up and struggle with an answer. And, and the dude just you know, is learning, I think, how to come across to fans and, the, and what's important to us. Because it is not the same as his other sports, quote unquote, franchises in the States, which we're not. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so, you know, I did get the impression that, you know, this was important to him to kind of come out and make a statement that it wasn't really his comfort zone, uh, you know, responding to demands and requests. He, he prefers to control the narrative. But I think they finally felt that if he just didn't come out and do this, it would just reinforce the fact that he is distant and cold, like his father's been accused of doing. You know, anyone who is focusing their energy right now on Stan Kroenke is missing the point and wasting their time. It, it, the, the, the focus needs to be on Josh Kroenke right now, and the focus needs to be collaborative and uh, you know, and, and working towards something, not just trying to tear down the entire thing from the start, because, you know, Josh is the one running things right now. And hundred percent, I believe that when he says he wants to win and he's in it to win it, 
I believe him. I just don't know that he necessarily is willing to do what a lot of other people want him to do to get there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mike, I'm going to have to leave it there and, and really, really yeah. appreciate you jumping on uh, from the airport and giving us that insight. Just a quick apology to some of our listeners, because I think they couldn't hear you at the very beginning. But that was my fault at this end, uh, as it always is. Um, you don't get used to this live business, but Mike, thank you so much. And people check out the Gooners podcast, uh, some brilliant uh, material. And as Mike said, you can hear the full transcript of the Josh Cronkey interview there. Mike, thanks very much and have a safe flight, mate. Cheers, Harry. Have a great week. That was Mike from the Gooners in the USA. Uh, well, it was the Gooners in the USA podcast. It's now uh, the Gooners podcast. And uh, like I said, they were lucky enough uh, to sit in the room with Josh Cronkey. They got that exclusive. Uh, they've done a brilliant job of putting it across to the fans, um, the transcript. And of course, now the audio is available. Uh, so do check them out as well. Um, right, let's get on to caller number two. Once again, I just want to apologize for those issues at the very, very beginning uh, with the sound but we've rectified it now i hope uh, nobody's saying otherwise in the comments section anyway um that's the trouble isn't it with live broadcasting but a big uh, thanks to you all for remaining patient and tuning in uh, to join us once again don't forget if you want to take part in this evening's phone-in show all you need to do is visit our twitter page at chronicles underscore afc and dm us your number if you're based in the uk if you're outside of the uk we need a skype address all right let's head on to caller number two hello Good evening, mate. You're on the Chronicles of Aguna. Introduce yourself and uh, where are we talking to you from? I, I'm in Basingstoke and my name's Egal. How you doing, mate? You all right? I'm doing good. I I wanted to call Harry because I, I'm finding that um, not a lot of people are talking about this, but a lot of a lot of uh, younger fans are, are being deterred away from Arsenal in a sense like my my I find like my nephews and my cousins they're more or less being uh, more pushed towards teams that are winning where we could Lee Gunner said this the other day or Lee Judges said this the other day where we could be losing a generation of fans where instead of having more Arsenal fans they could there could be less in the future because of how bad we're doing and how how this is not being ingrained in their kids no more. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, of course, lots of kids, uh, you know, grow up sort of being, and I don't want to say this in a bad way, but being glory hunters in a sense where, you know, they yeah. find a, a team that's doing well um, and they, of course, you know, follow that team from then on. Uh, it's slightly different with other people you know sometimes it's generational for me that's what it was my dad is a massive Arsenal fan I had no choice in the matter um but what have you made of, of the recent ongoings what have you made of the transfer window so far um the lack of activity I guess and the uh cronky out or well it's not really cronky out but the cronky uh protests I find that what you got to realize is not a lot has gone out we need to sell players. We can't. We can't just. We can't just bring on more uh, more players. We can't just bring on more wages and constantly complain about our wage bill because the next player you bring in that's a big signing, you're gonna have to pay him top top dollar. Where you still have Mustafi who's getting paid ninety ninety thousand a week. You have you have all these other players. What do you call it? Also getting three hundred and fifty. You have. Um, uh, Mkhitaryan. All these guys are getting paid top dollar uh, until we move them on. We can't really think about we can't really think about getting the big big signings because we're gonna have a problem with our team. So what what you, what's the solution if you can't if you've got these players on con on contracts and you can't shift them? What do you do? Do you turn to the youth? Is it time we we took that approach? You have to you have to start from the beginning when you're signing these players. You the problem Arsenal is facing is to compete with other teams. We're paying them over the odds, like Almeni getting paid. Uh, a, a lot more than than other players. That's why uh, teams like Liverpool are able to sell on their players uh, when they when they when they don't need them anymore for more because they're not making as much to begin with uh, on a weekly basis. So other teams in the Premier League can match their wages. Where if we're paying El Nenny, what is it, fifty thousand k, or or we're paying Colin Chambers fifty thousand? If we try to sell them on later on, those other teams can't match their wages. So what we need to do is start off from the beginning. When we're when we're signing these players, get them on a decent amount of wages. So if we want to sell them, 
teams aren't afraid of, of buying them because of their, their annual weekly wages. In addition to that, when it comes to incoming transfers, we, its transfer window became a competition between fans. We need to calm down, understand that the window's not closed. There's still signings going to be coming in. We didn't even get Edu until after the Copa Americas. So we have to be a little bit uh, uh, more calm about it and not panic. Because we tend to panic when we see clickbait things like 40 million, uh, 40 million transfer budget. I don't really believe that. I think they have more than that, but they're just saying that to strategically lower the wages, uh, lower the the prices of other players. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense, uh, mate. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you for contacting us, and we'd love to talk to you again very soon in the near future. Okay, thank you, buddy. Bye. Thanks very much, mate. Another brilliant call there. Let's move on to the next one. Lots of you uh, coming at us in the DMs. So we want to get through as many calls as we possibly can this evening. Let me know your thoughts on the transfer window, on the We Care DU campaign, on the players that we've been linked with. And of course, the victory over Bayern Munich in the International Champions Cup. It's not often that we can say uh, we beat Bayern Munich. So should we be enjoying it? I know it's only a friendly. Let's get on to caller number three. Here we go. Hello. Good evening, mate. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. What's your name and where are you talking to us from? Hi, it's uh, Deepak from Welling Garden. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, good, thanks. How's yourself? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Keeping busy, but can't complain. Can't complain at all. Um, still struggling after the, the uh, late night or lack of a sleep, if that's what you want to call it, uh, to watch the buying game. What do you want to say, Deepak? Uh, there's a couple of things I want to say, two or three things actually, and um, start off with the We Care movement. Um, yeah, totally take my hats off to these people. This this should have been done so many years ago, and yeah, you know, as an Arsenal fan, there's some guilt there that you know um, I wasn't involved. But at the same time, it, it's great to see, great to see. Um, Senior management, the boards, um, directors—they're, you know, they're they're having to take stock of the noise that is being made. I mean, a hundred thousand signatures on a petition just cannot be go, go unheard. Um, in addition to like uh, what Turkish did, no matter how many people there, even if it's one, you know, it's it's actually saying, hey guys, you know, we're not going to take the nonsense anymore. Um, and you know, um, put your put your money where your mouth is. Um, Josh Conkey coming out, and you know, telling us about all these things, how it takes time and it takes money and it's effort, and you know, the budget we're on, Champions League, Europa League, and all that. Um, what what did you make of Josh's comments? Um, it's interesting because I think that, um, well. I expected Josh to make the comments that he did. I think that anybody in Josh's type of position who's a, you know, a billionaire running multi-billion pound organization is going to be very good at um, feeding people what they want to hear. That's what these people do. And, you know, there's no doubt will have been a PR team involved uh, in preparing Josh's comments. And I know Mike spoke earlier on on the show. I don't know if you caught the beginning, Deepak, um, but Mike was, Mike was one of the guys who... Uh, was in the room with Josh Kroenke at halftime of the game uh, against the Colorado Rapids. He was representing the Gooners podcast, and they've, you know, since they were the ones that publicised his interview, um, et cetera, et cetera. So Mike joined us right at the very top of the show. You'll be able to go back and listen to that uh, later on. But uh, he got the impression that that the comments were very sincere, and he emphasised the fact that. Josh's statement was not planned in the sense that, you know, it was an impromptu interview, etc. So I do believe that Josh has um, the right intentions. I think it's better that for us that Josh is involved rather than Stan. I think he will be more proactive. He's younger. He's more um, interested in sort of the future of Arsenal Football Club. And at the end of the day, you know, it will be his eventually. So I, I thought that his comments were okay. I thought that he'd done all right considering he only had 15 minutes or whatever it was. And, you know, a lot of people have said that he didn't address the points in the statement, which I absolutely agree with. And I hope, fingers crossed, that there'll be further dialogue so that Josh will 
go back and, and address those points. But we've got to be fair. He only had 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes, I think he said all the right things. But of course, a part of me thinks that maybe it's just good PR media spin. I don't know. We've heard it all before, haven't we? Absolutely. I mean, and it's, it, it just it's going back to Vinay and Raul's um, interviews. It's like, OK, like I said, put your money where your mouth is. Take some action. Words are cheap. We've had we've had decades of words with um, the old management, you know, the old manager, decades of words. But, you know, um, put your money where your mouth is. That's the first. The second point was um, about these friendlies. You know, I mean, great, we beat, but I, I can care if we beat Real Madrid. I can care if we beat Barcelona in friendlies. Show me in March, April, and then I'll I'll start I'll, I'll start rating you. But you know, it just uh, it, we all know it's just a money making and a PR stunt going over to the states. And I think Arsenal Wenger was against it for for, for a while, for a few years or something. And now, you know, he, he's no longer there, and you know they've gone out there, but it, it, it's just. You know, to me, that there's been, you know, that the the loss of the, the the Europa League, you know, they're not coming in the top four. That's still very raw, you know. So do I care we beat Bar- um, Bayern? No. Do you know what I mean? It, I mean, how do you feel about these friendlies? And I feel exactly like what they are. They're they're, they're friendlies, and I don't necessarily take great pleasure in in winning them. But you know, it's better than losing them, isn't it? And at the end of the day, I think. By this stage of the summer, I think everybody just misses watching Arsenal so much that they kind of just get excited for these games, even though there's not really anything to them. That's certainly how I felt. Um, you know, I was excited about it. And I do prefer playing friendlies against the likes of Bayern Munich, against the likes of Real Madrid. You know, then and no disrespect, but I prefer those games to playing the likes of Boreham Wood and, and people like that. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit and complain about it too much, but you're absolutely right. It's about what happens when the season starts, doesn't it? Uh, Deepak, I'm going to have to leave it there because I've got uh, lots of calls lined up. But thank you uh, for calling in again and we'll speak again soon. Nice one, fella. Take care, mate. Cheers, Cheers mate. Good All luck. the best. Bye. That was Deepak there, uh, a regular caller to the show. Big thanks to him. Um, yeah, question coming in from Canon Fodder TV. Harry, you mentioned that Emery's comments about uh, big imminent signings appear to be orchestrated. Do you think Emery has been told to toe the line or is he his own man? Um, I-, I can't be sure. I'm speculating, but I do think that there is a chance that maybe uh, Unai Emery was told to make those comments uh, to ease the pressure on the club. But then equally... If he did make those comments and then we don't make the signings, he would look a bit stupid, wouldn't he? Now, uh, guys, if you haven't already and you're watching us live on YouTube, please hit that like button. It really, really does help um, in terms of uh, firing the video up the rankings. Don't forget, this will be available in podcast format tomorrow too. Let's head on to our next caller. And this guy is somebody that I'm sure lots of you will recognize. Here we go. Hello, Harry. Mr. Judges, Lee Judges, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you very much. You okay? Good. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, Lee, what are your thoughts on on the, the last few days, the Kroenke campaign, the transfer links, the win over Bayern Munich, it will be a friendly. What, what, how are you feeling as an Arsenal fan at the minute? Well, all positive now, Harry. Isn't it? We're going to win the league now, I think, like, after all these last few days. Everything's all around the door, isn't it? Like, so, uh, <laughs> no, seriously, like, you know, I've got to say with the um, Josh Cronkay thing, spoke, spoke well, got to say that, you know. Um, it looked like um, he, he was meaning business. He was saying all the things that you would, as a fan, you want to hear. And for him to turn around and say, you know, uh, the fans should be excited about, about this transfer window, well, he's really like put his uh, neck on the chopping block, if I'll be honest, Harry. If he, uh, if, if he, things don't come off, then he's going to make himself look really silly. So uh, I think, um, so from that point of view, I think you've got to just trust in the board and trust in them at this moment in time that they are going to make those uh, those transfers that we that we desperately need. Um, as for the Bayern Munich game, I think. I'm not going to get carried away with that. We, you know, the youngsters doing really, really well. But I, I was talking somewhere earlier on today. You know, uh, Smith Rowe was was outstanding on that um, 
saw last season and in pre-season. Really, to be honest, Harry, we hardly see him uh, yeah, come season. Right. So, you know, uh, I, I, listen, pre-season's there for, for whatever and um, to get him fit. And, uh, you know, they're obviously like, you know, out in America and for, for, for money reasons, if I'll be honest. But I'll tell you what has been good to see. All the... Um, all the uh, the foreign fans over there in America and all that really, you know, uh, supporting Arsenal and big turnouts as well, Harry. I think that's it just shows you how big Arsenal are. It does, you know, hit home how, how big our club is. Absolutely. And I put a tweet out, actually, because as you know, I got up for the game. Uh, I was covering the game and I woke up. Uh, a little bit before it, around about 20 minutes before it, so I could make a cup of coffee and trying to get to my senses. Um, and I put a tweet out saying uh, that I now have a newfound respect for those people that do get up in the middle of the night to watch an Arsenal game and then have to go to work the next day, etc., etc. It is really, really difficult. And those fans deserve credit. But there has been some backlash to that tweet. I've had people coming at me saying, oh, you know, but at the end of the day, we pay and we go to this and we go to that. Lee, you go to games, but that doesn't take away from what these people do. And these people have lives, they have jobs, they have families, yet they still get up in the middle of the night. They deserve as much credit as as match game fans, do they not? Absolutely. I, you know, when I was out in Thailand, because my brother lives out there, was out there for Christmas. Um, we we was uh, getting up at four o'clock, five, or staying up to God knows what else. What time in the morning? Like, I think one game. I think the Chelsea game. I think when we drew. I think it was when we drew three three or two two. I can't remember. I was at the Liverpool game. We drew three three. We can't remember. It was. Uh, yeah, I just showed you. It was, the, it was Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we was out there. I think we went to bed about six o'clock in the morning, and then you know, like, but we can laze about on the beach and and be asleep for a few hours and catch up on it. it you know, so I've got nothing but admiration for for people that do that. You know, and it is tough breaking up your sleep to, to watch your... The other thing is, though, if things go well or, or don't go well, you, you, you find it very hard to go back to sleep. I remember that game against Liverpool. <laughs> I was buzzing because we was like 3-1 down and then uh, it was 3-3. Free, free. And, you know, the, the frustrations of it all, you know, so you don't really get back to sleep. So, no, I've got nothing but admiration for them. But listen, we, we choose to do what we choose to do. You know, um, the, the travelling fan um, that decides to go get up early in the morning to go to wherever or stay over the night or whatever you choose to do. That's what you choose to do. And, of course, then you've got fans that, that don't do that, that, that can, which is the convenient ones for the fans is on the TV, three o'clock or four o'clock kickoffs and things like that. They haven't got to worry about what, you know, they sort their day out and everything like that. But, you know, I think... I'm, I'm a big. I, I don't. I don't like seeing people disrespect the uh, the foreign fans. You know what I mean. And uh, I think that they they um, they they deserve everything they get. You know, like for them, I'm going to be honest, Harry. I don't know about you. I get a little bit jealous of them all out there. All the access. You know, Bellerin walking into the pub. Yeah, you know, exactly. Can do that over here, is he? Like, you know what I mean. And, and, you know, we find, I, I find it very difficult with the players. They find it very hard to even come over and thank us fans for games, you know, all of that. So I get a little bit envious with that there. But, you know, then on the other hand, you know, what, what they don't get the opportunity to see these guys every every week like we do. We take it for granted, if I'll be honest, seeing them every week, don't we? So, um, no, fair play to them. I've got nothing but admiration for anybody that gets up whatever time in the morning to follow Arsenal. And I don't think you should be um, criticising any shape or form, whatever, you know, I... I I find it very funny that any little excuse Harry, to ever go out and ask fans yep. to be the thing at the moment. You know, you know, just embrace it. I think it's fantastic. We've got uh, a worldwide uh, support. I think it just shows you how big we are. You know, to go and fill a stadium like that, Harry, I think from from an Arsenal fan, I'm proud that we've got fans like that to do that. You know, Absolutely. so, you know, that's how I feel about it anyway. Absolutely. Lee, thank you so much for joining me, mate. And uh, we'll be speaking again, I'm sure, on Monday on the uh, same old Arsenal. Or are you away this week? I'm away remember. this week, so I'm, I'm away for a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm going to be... Um... I don't. I don't think I'll be watching the uh, Emirates Cup game as well. Like you know, nah, you'll be might, you'll be uh, sunning yourself. I don't blame. I you. might be sunning myself for that. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Have a great holiday, mate. And uh, we'll speak no, soon. Right. Cheers, Harry. Talk to you soon. Take right? care. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. The brilliant Lee judges there from the same old Arsenal podcast and Arsenal fan TV. I'm sure you all recognised him. A man who needs 
no introduction. Let's move on to our next caller. Uh, just dialing up the number. Again, if you want to take part, you know the drill. Head over to our Twitter page. Uh, drop us a DM at Chronicles underscore AFC. If you're watching us live on YouTube at the minute, uh, hit the like button, please. Uh, it does really, really help. Uh, lots of talk about transfers in the chat. We'll be coming on to some transfers uh, in a little while. We've touched on the, the Cronky thing. I think we've spoken about that enough. Um, we'll be speaking about the players that we've been linked with. And uh, fingers crossed we can get some of those deals over the line sooner rather than later. Let's dial up our next caller. Good evening, mate. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna. Phone in your name and where you talking to us from. Uh, good evening. It's Melvin from uh, Clayhall. How you doing, Melvin? You're right, mate. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah, great. Thanks. Great. Good. Good. What, what we haven't chatted about, which might have been on the agenda, is uh, Koscielny. That issue. Yes. Let's do it. I know. Let's I, go. I, knew I could Let's actually you. go for it. <laughs> right. We don't know what the true story is. I think really the worst thing Arsenal could have done, or possibly done. It's gone back on their words. Say, look, you've got a year left. We let you go. You know, no money, blah, blah, blah. Get on with it and do your own deal. If they went back on that, they are wrong. But at the same time, Koscielny could have handled it a lot better. Agreed. He's got a team around him. What they should have done is come up publicly and say, we're not happy. We were promised something. The club let us down. I still want to leave, but I'm not happy. That way, he's not the bad man. He hasn't disrespected the club. This way, I think he's disrespected the club irrespective of Arsenal being incorrect or wrong. But we don't even know that. Arsenal might have done something much less than that. It's your game. You should have come out and said. And then people would have had a bit more um, respect for him. Yeah, I completely agree. I've, I've spoken about this situation uh, throughout the week since the news broke. I think it was last week now um, regarding Koscielny's refusal to go in the tour. For me, I think that has probably happened. I think that something's gone on. There's maybe been a miscommunication, a misunderstanding between the two parties. And, you know, it, the situation has got to the point it's gotten to. And I don't for a second condone Koscielny's actions. I don't think a club captain should ever refuse to go on a tour, considering uh, how the club have stuck by him through very, very difficult times. Exactly. But yeah. what I will say is, you know, this wouldn't be the first time that the club have gone about handling a player's future completely wrongly. Well, you're so right. That That's kind of what makes me a little bit cautious on this and a little bit reluctant to sit there and say, you know, Lauren Koscielny this, Lauren Koscielny that. He hasn't said anything. His agents haven't said anything either, which is interesting because it feels to me like maybe they feel that's the best approach and that way they can get what they want rather than coming out and publicly slagging off the club. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit lost on this one. True, but at the same time, I know it's all about like Ashley Cole, where we handle that, and others as well. But at the same time, Harry, what he's done, I think, is the last result. No, I don't think any other Arsenal player has done that. He can have done other things, but I think actually refusing to go on tour and play for the Arsenal is the last result, and that is it. But does, you know, that, does it, that indicate, Melvin, that maybe this has been brewing in the background for a while? Might be. Yeah, you might be right, but we don't know. That's the problem. That is the problem we don't know. And really, he should, or the club, should come out. Otherwise, they're both going to be in the wrong. And people are going to imagine things that aren't true. And that's the problem we got with this club. Should it be more open? Both sides should be a bit more open. And when you're saying there's a, um, they're not understanding each other, they both understand. Both sides understand yeah. each other. I mean, I don't think what I find strange about it is that, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of fans on social media talking about the fact that they're proud of the club for being transparent and telling us that Koscielny <laughs> refused to go on tour because they could have quite easily got away with saying Koscielny's injured and he's not coming on the tour. You mean because, put a dummy on the plane, you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I mean Lauren <laughs> Koscielny has had so many injury problems that if they had come out and said he's going to stay back and work on his fitness, I don't think anybody of us would have, you know, been surprised. That's but, fair. You know, no, that's but, fair comment. No, that's fair comment. Yeah. yeah but what true. they've done here is they've released the statement, which is a pathetic statement. It's two sentences long. So they haven't re really been transparent. They haven't told us what's gone on. And that's my frustration. It feels like whilst Kishoni's bang out of order for what, for refusing, and we don't know what's really gone on, I feel like the club have handled this badly, really badly. Yeah, I agree. And especially we want to try and sign new players. 
You never know. That could be, you know, one player might go, you know what? Is there disharmony there? Do I want to join them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what have you made of the players that we've been linked to, Melvin? Lots of talk about the Saliba deal being done. We're hearing about Danny Ceballos from Real Madrid possibly coming in on loan. Wilfred Zaha has supposedly told Crystal Palace he wants out. Are you excited by what might be around the corner? I am excited. There's a two ifs. Number one, if we get them, I'm very excited. But you know what? You know the history with Arsenal and transfers. If, if we get them, fantastic. But none of these players can, de- you know, are a defender. That's what we really need. Yeah, so as excited I am going, it's the same old thing it'll be next year. If we get them, brilliant. We'll be scoring goals at one end and letting them in the other. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I don't disagree with you uh, one bit. I think you're absolutely right. It is frustrating. That's clearly an area of the team that needs addressing more than anything else. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating to see that Arsenal have failed to address that so far. But we've got to give them a little bit longer, the window. I agree. Yeah, let that do the jury's out at the moment. One thing, though, if we are genuinely, I don't know how true it is, after this left back of Celtic, and we want him, just get him, all right? What we waste on other players and other things, you're talking about flumpens compared to what we waste as a club. And what we've wasted the last two years, just get him. He's a young kid. If he's any good, we, you know, he'd be great for us. If he's no good, we'd probably get the money back in a year or two. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. Just get him because we need to reinforce there. Um, uh, the, you know, um, the two left backs we got, Koscielny and the other guy, you know, they're, they're, they're good. But I don't think uh, Koscielny, not Koscielny, Plasenac uh, can defend. He can't defend. So he's not really a left back. And Monreal, he's been a great servant, but he's past his best. So let's go to... let's reinforce something that we need and if it's the best we can get just get it absolutely don't disagree with any of that melvin thank you so much for coming on mate really really appreciate it and uh hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll speak very soon thanks harry have a great weekend all the best bye cheers mate bye-bye that was melvin uh another regular caller joining us on the chronicles of aguna phone in once again uh if you've got any questions those of you watching in the live chat uh, now's your time to put them in we'll be coming to them after our next caller uh, we'll be addressing your questions in the chat box um so uh, i'll give you a few minutes to get those in and uh in the meantime i will dial up our next caller let's have a look at the list um here we go let's hit the button Hello. Good evening, mate. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna. What's your name and where are we talking to you from? Hi, Harry. I'm, I'm Charlie and I'm from Surrey. Welcome, Charlie. How you doing, mate? What do you want to talk about? Lots to talk about this week. There's transfers, oh, yeah. there's Kroenke, there's We Care to You, there's uh, a win over Bayern Munich in the International Champions Cup. Where do you want to begin? Oh, well, firstly, I want to start uh, the match last night because um, somehow I worked myself up to watch that um, and um, I want to co- no doubt we'll talk about transfers but I want to comment on a few players that um, and their performances uh, last night go for it now um, a couple of weeks ago I think I said to you um, when you asked me about Aubameyang and uh, selling him and I said to you that um, for me he hasn't even hit his best yet yeah. And uh, he, he even looked a little bit sluggish, like he didn't look fully 100% fit and sharp, especially towards the end of the season. And for me, that just confirmed that I was right watching last night because he looked, for, for his first game in preseason, he looked rapid, like he looked sharp, he looked fit, he, he, looked, he looked direct, he looked confident on the ball. And for me, he's, he's had his rest, he's had his break, and he looks like the player that we got from Dortmund. Um, and he looks, he looks a million dollars a better player than, than than he was a few months ago. And even a few months ago, he was performing and scoring the goals. So I just wanted to um, say that I think Aubameyang is looking um, looking very good. Um, he did. He did. He, he looked sensational last night. He looked really sharp. Um, and yeah. it was interesting because I'd read, I think it was a tweet from James Bench during the day where he said that, uh, or it might have been the day before, where he said that. Aubameyang had pulled up in training but he looked really really sharp and I personally yeah. thought he looked a lot more effective on the right hand side because he was able yeah, yeah, yeah. to go on the outside of people 
um, you know, and he was comfortable doing that. And he's obviously got the pace to beat people. And he, he gave David Alaba a really, really torrid time, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he's he no slouch. Right I, remember, I remember he was diving. I remember Alaba was diving quite a lot and uh, Aubameyang was just leaving him for dead. Um, so, no, I was really impressed. But um, on, a, on a slight negative, um, I really hoped I couldn't see a worse performance. But Mustafi... Um, Last night was um, just Mustafi, to be honest. Um, for the goal, he was... I don't know what he was doing, to be honest. I don't know if... He, can you call that marking? I That's mean, how bad it was. I think that, I think that Lewandowski just pulled off him and would probably do that to most centre-backs. I think that... Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not a, a Mustafi fan. I totally am on board with the whole, you know, he's not good enough for Arsenal narrative, etc. But... I do feel that he does get a hard time sometimes when perhaps it's not necessarily deserved. Yeah. I feel like Socrates was probably just as bad at times against Bayern Munich, but he, he'll get a free pass. And that's yeah. kind of my issue with it. I mean, I, I totally take what you're saying on board. I just don't think yeah. that he was that, that bad. I think, I think, I think it was his, his decision making as well. I mean, the amount of times where we were playing out from the back, we looked confident and he got the ball and then he was just, he was dwelling on it. And then his pass went to a Bayern Munich player. And then I don't know if you remember it, but it was that, um, it was, that, it might've been in the second half, I believe, um, or the first half, um, when they almost scored and Leno had to come to the, come to the rescue when they almost walked it in because Mustafi's pass literally just gone to the Bayern Munich player. And I think those sorts of things are just so they're, they're very very regular um they're a regular occurrence for um what mustafi does in the game like he can do those two to three times in the game and at this level he just cannot do that like for every good thing he does he does like maybe two or three bad things and that's the thing that winds me up so much with him fair enough uh, what, what, charlie what do you make of the players that we're being linked with it looks like uh, the Saliba deal was done. A few people have said in the chat that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a medical coming up on Tuesday, um, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think about that? Are you happy with the prospect of Saliba joining Arsenal? That's, for me, this one's a really confusing one because he looks a fantastic player, but we're sent, he, for, by all accounts, he's going back on loan, right? And if there's if there's one position apart from a winger that we need to really improve and get like, it should be our first target is a centre-back and we're buying him we've spent by all regards months in negotiations with Saliba we finally got him and then we send him back on loan yeah and and then we're supposedly with the, this Coachelny business God knows what's going to happen with that I, I can't really see him playing for Arsenal again so he'll probably go and then what do we, do we have Mustafi and Socrates? And then we've got Holding coming back, which is great news. But let's be honest about it. We're being really honest. So what he's had six months out, he's going to take some time to come back into it. Isn't it? Like, I agreed. You don't you don't get that rhythm automatically. And I just think it, it's all a bit confusing. Like I don't understand where the where the thinking process is coming in here. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And just going back to Saliba, I've just got his statistics up in front of me from last season. Go for it. He only made 16 appearances in Liga and last season Yeah, for St. Etienne. So he's not necessarily an... Exp well, I know he's only 18, but, you know, there yeah. are 18-year-olds with more experience, I would say. Yeah. And what I'm, I guess the point I'm trying to come to is even if William Saliba was going to come straight into the Arsenal team, I wouldn't still wouldn't be convinced that he's ready to, to take up the mantle, uh, I'm, I guess. I'm, I'm not convinced. Like, hey, I mean, I've I've read I've read numerous things um, from the so-called experts um, that he's the Mbappe of defenders, say, and um, <laughs> as a big statement, yeah. uh, apparently so. Like, he's um, he he's always been two years ahead of his age group, and um, his footballing ability, his footballing brain as well. Apparently, is on the same level as him. Like, he's literally the um, Bappy of defenders. That's, that's what I've read a few times. Yeah. But even having even having said that, you cannot tell. I don't care who you are. You cannot tell how a player's going to do in the Premier League because it is it's so different to any other league in the world. 
you could be technically unbelievable and be fast. Absolutely. But it's the prem it's the Premier League and he's eighteen, so physically, even though he's a beast, like he's a bit he's a big guy, he's still got to fill out, he's still he's still gotta like like grow, develop. Yep. Um he could have injuries. You just never know with this kind of thing. And if he's the only centre back that we're planning on bringing in, it's just it's worrying, isn't it? It's worrying. It, it, it is really worrying. And then I read Felix going as well. Like he's not even in the plans. Yep. So I don't know. It will. It will seem. I, I don't know what to think of it. To be honest. No, I totally agree, Charlie. I'm going to have to leave it there. Um, got a no few worries. more callers lined up, and we've only got around about. 13 minutes left so a big thanks for joining us once again and i will speak to you again cheers. soon mate all the best cheers. thank you very much thanks for having me cheers bye-bye all right just quickly going to answer a couple of your questions in the chat box uh we'll come back to these as well in a few moments time let's have a look uh the mr arsenal podcast do you reckon harry that with edu coming into his new role the club will look to explore at more young south american uh talent uh get first of all Head over and check out the Mr. Arsenal podcast. Give him a follow, give him a subscribe, etc. Um, I do think that Arsenal will start to look in that market. And I think Arsenal's inability to probably compete financially will force their hand. And I think that they've realised that they need to make certain appointments, the likes of Edu, the likes of Freddie Lundberg, to bring the youngsters through, etc. I think they've acknowledged that they're going to struggle to keep up with the very big boys. And, you know, we're talking about state-backed clubs like Manchester City, PSG in Europe and stuff. So it's totally, you know, understandable why that may be the case. So I'm not um, against that at all. Uh, you know, I think that that's just the way it is and that's just the way that Arsenal are going to need to work. So fingers crossed, you know, we can, um, of course, uh, get the results that we require. Another question uh, coming in from Martin Palmer, who should be captain? Uh, this is a really, really difficult one. Now, a lot of people have thrown the name Hector Bellerin around. And whilst I don't necessarily think he's a leader on the pitch, I think that Hector Bellerin shows the club in a very good light. He's become an ambassador for some really, really good campaigns. He always presents himself well in public. He's a bit of a fashion icon. And I think that commercially, it would be an appointment that makes sense. But would he be able to lead on the field? That is where I'm not convinced. Um, and I guess, and, and you know, I I would have to think long and hard about this because I keep coming up with different reasons for and against, but I'd imagine that Granit Xhaka is going to get the nod from Unai Emery. I think that's the way this is heading. Uh, he's someone that's always in the side, um, you know, when fit, uh, and he's somebody that Emery relies on. So I expect Granit Xhaka to be the captain next season. Not necessarily my first pick, but that's what I think is going to happen right let's hit up another call and then we'll come back to the chat box here we go hello good evening mate welcome to the chronicles of aguna introduce yourself and where are we talking to you from yeah absolutely this is uh mike mcdonald uh i'm uh i'm in tennessee in the u.s welcome mate how are you i'm a big fan of your blogs i read them regularly um how are you uh, doing I'm doing well. Yeah, I appreciate the compliment. Thanks, Harry. No problem at all, mate. What, what do you want to get off your chest? What is bothering you in the world of Arsenal at the moment? We've got transfers. We've got the Cronkies. We've got uh, the Bayern Munich game. Lots and lots is going on at the moment, despite the season being a few week, weeks away still. But how are you feeling uh, going into, you know, the International Champions Cup and, and the shape that Arsenal are in at the moment? What are your thoughts on it? Well, quite honestly, Harry, I'm uh, I'm excited, um, and I didn't uh, foresee this. Um, the uh, campaign that um, uh, has done so well, and the response from Josh Kroenke, uh, I, I hate to say that I believe him, but I kind of believe him, uh, and I, I I'm I do think, like you were talking about online, Harry, that uh, he was um, prompted to say that, and Unai Emery, I believe, as you said too, has been prompted to talk about expensive players and get the fans on board because of it. But um, I feel like Josh Kroenke didn't have to go that far when he was asked about um, transfers and next season and to try to get the, uh, you know, and talking about getting people excited and that we need to be excited. I, I believe him. Uh, so I'm very positive that the signings that are rumoured are actually going to happen. Uh, I don't disbelieve him um, and I feel like a bit of a fool, Harry, for thinking that way in some regards. But 
Um, I'm, I'm positive about the academy. I've, I've counted there's at least to me 14 uh, academy or, or loney players that could break into some form of first team action this year. Uh, I'm encouraged about the back four rather than three. Uh, hope he stays with the, the back four. Uh, I think that solidifies things better and, and puts us in better shape going forward too. And as I wrote in that blog this morning, Harry, the tempo last night, that was that was something I had been hoping for all last season, that uh, all the better teams in world football play with a higher tempo, Agreed. play two-touch, uh, don't lose the ball as, as often because they play with a higher tempo. And, uh, and then, again, as I said, the mentality, we just looked uh, like we were there to win. And I loved that. And when the first teamers went off last night, Harry, it was, a, it was about two o'clock in the morning when I was watching that. And I was leaving later for you. Um, when the first teamers went off and those young kids came on, they didn't look like they were going to do anything but win the game either. And just that mentality, there's something there, I think, that that's, that's creeping up on us that, that looks better. Um, and of course, from last season, the, uh, the performances against some of the big six, not all of them, not every game, but that was what gave me hope going into the actual Premier League season. Um, but as much as I'm positive, I've got that concern. I know you do too, Harry, with Unai Emery himself. I've got a, a few concerns uh, going into the season. Uh, I wrote them down here just trying to get my thoughts straight, but Brilliant. Uh, I'm, hope, I'm hoping he doesn't default to the experienced players because uh, he did that, I think, last year unnecessarily. So Nicotia would be a great example of a player that needed to play more and was never a trusted. Uh, yeah. Whereas players like you know Mikatarian and Awobi, when they weren't in form, were trusted. Um, the uh, I hope that the youth, I think, in this impatient world where these youth, I think, uh, seem to be leaving clubs earlier and not believing that they're going to get a chance. I hope that they stay and uh, I, I hate that the Christian Bielik thing doesn't seem to be working out that's uh, that's a I think that's a, a foolish mistake not even giving him a chance but um, and I hope that the the formation uh, favors the stronger players that's something I'm about to write about actually I think last season we seemed to build our team around Kolasinac yep. uh, and uh, and Maitland Niles now they're good players when they're on their game but they're not best players in the team, Harry, and I don't see why you would ever build your team around those guys and it just, almost it just, every... It felt like, Mike, that we were... That Unai Emery was really, really keen to introduce width to the Arsenal game and that we didn't really have that in previous years. And, you know, Arsene Wenger traditionally would sign the likes of Mkhitaryan and the Iwobis, etc., who are all, even if they are put out on a flank, they all naturally invert and come inside and it felt like Unai Emery probably felt the only way he would introduce any wit to that team would be to place the emphasis on the wing backs and that's why we probably played with a back four uh, back three sorry as often as we did I think it exposed us defensively personally I think that we lacked quality um, in those areas because like you said Kolasinac, Maitland-Niles, not exactly the players you want bursting into the opposition penalty area and having to pick out a pass, although Kolasinac did it quite well for certain periods. But you're absolutely right. I just yeah. feel like he thought the only width he had in the squad was from them. And I, that's probably, you know, I, you'd hope that he'd address that this summer. Yeah, well, it looks like with the talk of wingers or winger coming in with Nelson back in the squad, um, I think that... Uh, You've got some natural wits and, and players who are familiar and more comfortable in those areas, having beaten a player to pick out a pass or, or you know, to get a shot on goal because you're not seeing goals from Kolasinac and Maitland-Niles. Um, but you, you could, you know, you're going to get 10, 15 goals, I would imagine, from from a winger. So um, I'm excited about the prospects of, of all of this. My last point as well, Harry, was I hope you and I, Emery, doesn't overthink. I think uh, last year... Uh, I'm not sure if this was a common thought, but I felt that last year he was trying to almost teach the players different formations and tactics because under Wenger, I don't think that really happened much at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that he came into a situation where the uh, the squad just weren't well-versed in how to play different ways. And, and so he did that. But I think it hurt the team towards the back end of the season because of the confusion over changing from one formation to the other. So I hope we have a base formation, Harry. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I've shared that 
sort of concern as well throughout last season. I felt like, uh, you know, we would have been in a much stronger position now had we embedded something last season. Uh, and now it feels like we're kind of, we've made some progress, but maybe not as much as we could have. And, and I think that was uh, a huge factor in that. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I've got to leave it there because I've got another caller to get to uh, before we finish up in a few minutes time. Really appreciate you coming on. Keep up the great work with the blogs and uh, feel free to leave any links in the comment section for our listeners to pick up on. Bless you. Thank you, Harry. All the best, mate. Speak to you soon. Cheers. That was Mike McDonald. He does write some fantastic uh, Arsenal-related blogs. Uh, I always retweet them, so keep an eye on my uh, profile and you will see those. Right, we've got another call to get to. Let's have a look at the number here. Uh, great engagement once again this evening. Thank you to all of you uh, for taking part. Really, really appreciate it. Let's head on to our next uh, guest for the evening. Good evening, Harry. Good evening, mate. You're on the Chronicles of Aguna. What's your name? Where are you talking to us from? Uh, it's Shane. I'm calling from um, Acton in West London. How you doing, mate? Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm really enjoying your um, content over the last uh, month or so. So just um, carry on doing what you're doing. I, I think your content's really good. Thank you very much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. We're making a conscious effort uh, to use YouTube more. We've sort of traditionally been an audio podcast. Um, but, you know, over the summer, I've really tried to use YouTube as much as possible. And the response has been brilliant. So thank you. And, and it's people like you supporting it that have allowed us to hit the 2000 subs now and onwards and upwards. Uh, what do you want to say, mate? What do you want to talk about? Lots to talk about, of course, uh, in the world of Arsenal at the minute. Yeah, just in, just in relation to um, the club and the club's identity, because obviously Josh Conquer came out and said um, what he said, which I'm kind of of uh, leaning towards, you know, actions speak louder than words, because like you, I do think that maybe it was um, PR spin and damage limitation. Um, but because there was a lot coming out from people saying, oh, you know, it's Arsenal fans stamping their feet because um, we haven't bought any players and stuff like that. And then obviously that statement came out, which is really well put together. Because from my point of view, um, it's quite clear that Stan Kroenke is, is, isn't going to be pushed out of the club. So we just want him to run the club more efficiently. Um, and I actually did some digging myself. Um, and I mean, considering you would think that Stan is in this to make money and that the more successful your club is, the more money that you're going to make. And, you know, I, 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 I don't think him or Josh could um, put it any other way. They're doing this to make money. They're not like Jack Walker of uh, Blackburn where they're, you know, chucking in money to buy players because it's their hometown club. But when you look at the way the club's been run um, over the last few years, I mean, as an example, since Robin Van Persie left, um, in terms of player sales, if I've worked it out correctly, um, we made £220 million in terms of player sales. Now, you look at Liverpool in the same period, and they've yeah. literally made £1 million short of half a billion pounds, wow. which kind of which um, tells you everything, really. Because, I mean, what, what I would like to see from KSE in terms of the way the club's being run, is there being consequences for failure. Because yeah, Stan Gazebas, um, not Stan Gazebas, Ivan Gazebas was um, happy to pick up a wage, but the way he dealt with stuff, I remember being on Talk Sport when RVP said he wasn't going to sign a new contract because he didn't think the club had the same ambitions as him. Yeah. And I remember saying, you know, any decent club, you would not allow your main assets to lose value, or if you're a business, you wouldn't allow your main assets to lose value. The, the only thing I'd say, though, mate, yeah, and, and I don't like, I'm just playing devil's advocate here for the purpose of the show. If we're talking about these players that we allowed to leave for not very much money, except essentially because we held on to them for a little bit too long, maybe, um, you know, we let them get into the last years of their contracts, so on and so on. But in one way, do you think that we would have qualified for the Champions League as often as we did had we allowed the likes of Van Persie to leave maybe a year earlier or Alexis Sanchez to leave a year earlier? Do you not think that in some way we benefited from holding them because it got us over the line and the money we made from the Champions League kind of 
you know, balances it out a little bit. I don't know if you could work out where I'm coming from on this, but yeah, I think we may have missed out on Champions League football more if yeah. we allowed these players to leave sooner. I, I, I can see where you're coming from because I do think at that time, because as much as I love Arsene Wenger, he was a diver. So if, if we told them at their peak value, I'm not too sure whether we would have reinvested that money um, properly because um, you've had all these situations of Higuain and Mata where they're on the verge of signing only for Wenger to change his mind. Because, I mean, going forward, for me, um, the model I would love to see at Arsenal going forward is the uh, Dortmund model in terms of, you know, we're getting these players young, we maybe keep a few because as much as it pains me to say it, I've, I've got to a stage, I've been supporting Arsenal since I was like 12 years old, I've got to a stage now where you realise there is no loyalty in football and you're Absolutely. not going to have players for 10, 15 years. So if you can get a proper young players that you buy quite cheap, maybe some of them stay with you, you sell on a couple, use the money to reinvest in a team, that's how I would like to see us operate. But then also, I would like there to be rewards for success, but again, consequences for failure. So I can't remember who it was that mentioned this, but someone said around Mesut Ozil's contract, that that should have been more incentive-driven in yeah. terms of, I don't, know, I don't know if the money's just been given to him straight up front, that, that, that £350,000 a week, but that should have been incentive-driven in terms of, right, if you get X amount of goals in a season, you get this much. If you get X amount of assists, if you're the top assistant in the Premier League, you get a bonus, etc., etc., etc. But also the fact that with all those players, uh, you know, if we qualify for Champions League football, you'd be rewarded. If we don't, you have to take the pay cut. Because I just think it stops players from being in that kind of comfort zone, which I think is part of the previous um, regime anyway. But I also would like to see us, when we're selling on players, like Nabry's a perfect I I example. Obviously, you didn't know, well, he always seemed like a good player, but I don't think anyone expected him to blow up the way he has. Absolutely. Uh, agree with that. We, we, we need to be having selling clauses, taking percentage of transfer fees, doing all that kind of stuff that, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid do that kind of stuff day in, day out, because it, it, it was Real Madrid that had that with um, Alvaro Morata when he went to Juventus. They had first option. So all those kind of things, we just need to be a little bit smarter. So I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, Josh Cronkey is going to be true to his words. But like I said, for me, ac actions actions speak louder than words. So we we're, we're, we're just have to um, wait wait and see what happens. But I'm also, I mean, just one last thing. I'm not entirely sold on Emery. Um, me neither, mate. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> if I'm honest, because, I mean, I, I went to quite a few games last season. I, I don't know why it just really irritates me that he's always in his technical area gesticulating because to me he got that job on the basis that he had a um, um, a, a, a kind of profile on every single player on their strengths and weaknesses that he was Mr. Preparation that he was flexible to me yes there will be things that will change in a game but if you have a game plan and if you brief your players um, that should be enough unless something happens so much that deviates from that game plan that's like right let me get into my technical area and pass on some information if you ever watch a game, you watch him, he's in his technical area for the whole game, literally holding the player's hands, and you think, how, how confusing must that be when, when, when you've got someone um, doing that for the full 90 minutes, basically telling you, oh, come here, you need to stand here, double block. Because either the players aren't um, understanding his tactical instructions or, you know, that he's not getting his message across. But I, I, I do wonder whether... They wanted to go for Arteta, which, to be honest with you, when, when it was first mentioned, I was like, ridiculous. And then I started to warm to the idea because Pochettino spoke so highly of him, saying that he's not a number two, he's a number one. And obviously Guardiola loves him. But I, I wonder whether they wanted to go for him and then bottled it the last minute because they were thinking they need to get the Champions League football uh, as in last season. But I wonder whether, because I, I don't believe Emma will be there the end of the uh, end of next season or no. this season I, I, I wonder whether they may revert back to an Arteta because I know everyone's saying Lundberg but I think it'd be too early for him yeah um, possibly possibly or whether they go for someone like Nagelsmann um, if they get this get this kind of um, structure in place so that it is kind of like a Dortmund structure because he's again worked on a budget 
can coach players, young players, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they then go for someone like him. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, of course, what happens in the future. But, mate, thank you so much for dialing in. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up Cheers, as we've mate. come to the end of the show. And uh, hopefully we can speak to you again in the very near future. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on. Take, Take care. care. Anytime, mate. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of this evening's callers. A huge thanks to every single one of you who is in the chat box watching us live. If you've contributed, if you're listening to us later on via the audio or, of course, on YouTube, before we go, can you please, 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 if you haven't already, smash that like button. Um, lots of you watching at the moment, but not so many uh, likes, or not as many likes, lots of likes, but not as many. Um, a quick question from Kev Arsenal in there. I'm going to touch on this one before I wrap it up, actually. He says, do you think these kids are really good enough or just being pushed into the squad because it's convenient due to the lack of money? I think you've hit the nail on the head, mate. It remains to be seen whether they're good enough. I don't think you can fully judge them until we, um, you know, we see them playing regularly we see them in proper competitions not preseason friendlies not under 23 games um only then will we know how good these boys are so let's wait and see but i certainly think that it's partly down to the lack of funds now don't forget guys this is a sofa sports media production brand new company that we've set up just recently and we'll be publishing some information um on how things are going to be working and what we can do for people and and you know how we're going to work basically in the coming days is something we've been working on over the last few days uh but due to lots of work we've not been able to get the the finishing touches over the line so stay patient on that um but yeah head over to our youtube page we've got a youtube page uh sofa sports media um and we'll be uh publishing all sorts of football content on there throughout the coming season uh once again big thank you to every single one of you thank you to our sponsors loserpool.com for their continued support uh, without them this podcast wouldn't be where it is today uh it's going from strength to strength and we're really really grateful uh, to every single one of you whether you're a listener a contributor or you know whatever uh thank you all so much have a great evening uh, and now you can all go and watch your recordings of Love Island. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, take care. We'll be back uh, on Monday uh, with another video uh, because I will be attending a funeral tomorrow, unfortunately. So there won't be a Chronicles AFC daily video tomorrow uh, unless something breaks in the evening. We'll have a look. But um, as it stands, there won't be anything. So uh, in case you're waiting for it, don't. Uh, and we'll be back on Monday. Until then, take care, guys. Have a great weekend.